This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. an ancestral philadelphia tune that i don't know do you not know philadelphia freedom by elton john sir no. elton john <laughs> no oh my god welcome to overdue a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name's andrew and andrew doesn't know about philadelphia freedom by sir elton john because it's you're singing it and it sounded like the song from like a bank commercial <laughs> oh yeah cash all of your money here in philadelphia Um, anyway welcome to overdue it's a podcast we're in philadelphia you're welcome everybody you're welcome that's all we have to say as moana once said you're welcome um this is a book podcast where we talk about philadelphia as well as the books that we have never read before and we tell them uh we talk about them to our friend who are we we are recording the episode with (laughs) <laughs> then uh, you, the listener, get to listen along. Andrew, what book did you read this week? This week, I read the book uh, Charmed Life by Diana Wynne-Jones. This is the first novel in a multi-novel uh, series called the Crestomancy books. Or the, the World of Crestomancy. Yeah, it is a... This one was published in 1977. It's a series of novels about... This guy, Crestomancy, which is the name of a person, kind of, but more so the name of a political office. Yeah, like the Surgeon General. Yes. In a world that is quite unlike our own, as we will discuss. This was a Patreon recommendation uh, from Suzanne. Thank you, Suzanne. Uh, Said, I have one book to add to your Tubi Red Pile. Charmed Life by Diana Wynne-Jones. It's her first Crestomancy book, in order of publishing at any rate, and a lot of fun. Plus, like the best kids' books, it has a kernel of real darkness in it as well. Uh, Thanks for all the hours of enjoyment. Well, thank you for this recommendation. Andrew, you have never read any Diana Wynne-Jones? I have not, no, because when we did Howl's Moving Castle... I read it. Which was... I want to say that was... I feel like it's the one right after a milestone episode. I feel like I remember yes. a disproportionate amount of the episodes that are right after milestone episodes because we always come through our milestone episodes changed it in was, some way. Uh, it was October 2016, episode 201. Okay, right after Infinite Jest. Yeah, right then. after Infinite Jest. And I was like, Andrew, I want to tell you about a book. And you're like, I've already read all of the books now. <laughs> Um, so you can go back and listen to that episode if you're like, oh, I know Diana Wynne-Jones because of that other book. Have you talked about it? Yes, we have. Go find it. Um, I may, if I remember, maybe I'll put a link to it in the episode notes for this one. Um, what do we know about her? She, I've never read any of these other books either, but folks were interested to see her name on the schedule. So I'm, I'm interested to hear about this one. 
Yeah, and she she's very influential. I don't know what what facts you brought to the table, but the list of authors who have sort of cited her as a as an inspiration includes uh, Philip Pullman, Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, Penelope Lively, Robin McKinley, Megan Whalen Turner, Diana Rabinovich, and J.K. Rowling. We won't hold that last one against her. No. Um, she was born in 1934. That's a lot of names. Yeah, it's a lot of I, names. You acted like you wanted me to say something else, so I will say, that's a lot of names. That's <laughs> fine. I think uh, many folks may uh, find their way to Diana Wynne Jones after their experience with the Harry Potter series or other like uh, books about magical kids, let's say, um, young wizards, perhaps. And is that what they call them in France? <laughs> French wizards? Oh, 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 oh wizards. <laughs> Casting spells. Abricadabra. Uh, <laughs> and you uh, maybe want a different like world. You want some other books to read. And a lot of the like user reviews from various websites and blog posts that I was reading, people talked about encountering these either before and be like oh here's some stuff that i also saw in this other popular series that came first here or oh this is different over here in diana Wynne jones land and i dig it for xyz reasons so we'll talk about that um as i said she was born in 1934 died in 2011 uh born in london to a pair of teachers uh she was evacuated as a kid to wales during the war uh, though they did come back and she spent most of her childhood in essex i believe she was the oldest of three and began writing stories for her sisters when she was 13 um she went to st anne's at oxford later lived in london oxford and brixel bristol not brixel that's probably a place in england but that's not the place i meant new brixelshire (laughs) uh and she started like writing in the 1960s after her three kids were of eight i think like her youngest was two when she started writing and she started publishing works when all of her kids were in school um, her first novel. Yeah, I gotta say, writing with a one-year-old yeah. or like less than a one-year-old—not something I would recommend. No. to do after hours. Props to people if they're doing it. Um, her first novel, *Changeover*, was set against the backdrop of the British Empire coming apart, and it was about like a fictional, I think a fictional African nation that was, you know, gaining independence. Um, and was kind of about a, a send-up of British politics at the time, I think. Yeah, fictional African colony during mm, transition. Sure. Um, and then, what, this book was 1977. Yes. Um, and the series, there are seven of them in the series, ran th- all the way to 2006. I guess that makes it a heptology. A he- I saw that word heptology. People and- took issue with my use of quadrilogy <laughs> in an earlier episode, which is a word, even if you don't like it. My brain is poisoned. Blame the box set of the first four <laughs> Alien movies for teaching me quadrilogy, I guess. What's the fourth Alien movie? Oh, is it Alien like, Resurrection? Yeah, Alien mm. Resurrection. Yeah. Okay. I saw that one in theaters. Dumb. I bet you did. Um <laughs> I saw my mom it was a good time. Um <laughs> this uh this series again, we said 1977-2006. There are seven books in it. Uh the first book, Charmed Life, won the nineteen seventy-eight Garden Children Guardian Children's Fiction Prize. Uh she would later in her life receive, you know, a number of accolades, including a world fantasy like life achievement award. There's a short story in this series, and they aren't all novels. Um, some of them are like no- I don't understand yep. 
on the Wikipedia uh-huh. listing that I'm looking at. One's a short story, one's a novella, and one's a novelette. And I'm sure those are all different. And I don't want you to tweet at me about <laughs> the differences. I, I want people like to tweet they're... at me so I can tell you later. That's too many different words to mean a work of fiction that's shorter than a novel, <laughs> however long a novel is supposed to be. But anyway, the the second well, the second one in sequence, I guess, is called is a short story called Warlock at the Wheel. Yeah, which does sound like an Warlock old-timey, at the Wheel, like a, a silent film short that mm-hmm. they would show, like with with the little rascals or something. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, she also did. You see the um, the tough guide to Fantasyland that she wrote, which Not it's a that. it's a parodic. Uh, tourist guidebook of the worlds of fantasy fiction to spoof on the rough guides which is like a a series of travel books in britain so it's sort of like uh a non-license specific like star wars technical manual kind of fiction it looked like it's like kind of if you wrote a TV tropes as a fictional guidebook of of TV, I suppose. Yeah, like that's a, if you wrote a fictional TV guide, ooh, that could be a fun book. Fictional TV guide. Yeah, it could also be a terrible book. Like someone would have to do a very good job at it. But would you be inventing fake episodes oh, yes. of real shows ooh. or just the whole thing from from whole cloth? Oh man. I think you could make a case for either. I think you really could. This idea. Yeah. I'm into it. Um, her other series, as you've mentioned, Howl's Moving Castle and its sequels, The Dale Mark Quartet, lots of short story collections, some plays and poetry. Um, she had two posthumous works interrupted by her cancer diagnosis, um, Islands of Chaldea and The Visitors. Uh, I believe her sister finished both of them. Um, not a lot of a web presence for Miss Jones. <laughs> Some books about her. I found um, a publisher weekly's interview that we'll probably reference once we get into the book itself. And then I did find a, a website that I can't tell how often it's updated at dianawinjones.com, but someone was kind enough um, to write a report of a Diana Wynne Jones conference in 2019 um, that is just a really fun read uh, about, you know delightful nerddom so andrew this is a good british nerddom paragraph after a capacious repast carefully made as accessible as possible to the range of dietary needs in the group there were further panels on concealment and revelations and the nature of hidden identities in one group and on the importance and impact of families in the other a capacious repast I say, you love a capacious repast. I feel like that happens a lot in fantasy books. Is true. Like the anthropomorphic mice have a capacious yes. repast. Um, but the the reports on the panels at the conference kind of get to Jones's legacy, I guess, um, which is like uh, dealing, putting this in context with other British children's fantasy. Um, she's a writer who, as Andrew mentioned. It has like a long list of folks influenced by her, and she is kind of a bridge between them and like folks like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. Um, just looking at like the timeline there, uh, and that her books, you know, they're often a little bit more complex or at least like building worlds that are maybe subverting your expectations. Um, and then one panel was on like the power of children, um, 
and their ability to access power adults are unable to perceive, which is a common trope in a lot of like magical young wizards books. Um, you can stop <laughs> saying it like that. Uh, this can't become another anime where I can't say the dumb word any other way because you said it. So, uh, I have some stuff on the world of Crestomancy, but I feel like we... I don't want to be the one driving that ship. I feel like I want you to tell me about it, and then we'll see what else we learn, like where else the series might go. Because I don't know how much of the world she builds in this book versus the other six. Yeah, there's like, there are, and I, I told you, I actually didn't look up anything about the book before I started reading it, so I didn't know when it had come out. Mm. I knew that the... Um, there was like a blurb on the cover or something that referenced Harry Potter. So I actually ended up assuming that it was a lot newer than it was. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I commented when I was about halfway through it that it felt like a pretty small book, uh, mm. which which I, I, I would maintain. Like I and, and what I mean by that is there are not a lot of giant lore dumps in it. Yeah. As you get, like, even if you think about, like, a Harry Potter, you get that scene where, like, Hagrid chases them down and they're in the house and he tells them you're a wizard, Harry, and <laughs> and then you get all the, like, Diagon Alley stuff and you get just this, like, quick crash course tour through wizarding world, like, hinting at other stuff that that is happening. In this book, you don't get a lot of it. You just get it kind of around the edges and then a little bit at the end. And I, I assume there's more that comes in some of the other works. Sure. Yeah, it, it does not seem like a one of those fantasy or, or sci-fi books where part of the intent is to build out a big world for a bunch of stuff to happen in, even to the extent that, like, Terry Pratchett or somebody does it, where none of the rules really matter all that much mm. because he's not taking it all that seriously. <laughs> well, let me, let me, didn't, I'll read a quote from this publisher's weekly interview from 2008 uh, on, this is her talking about not planning things out. When I used to go and visit schools, I always used to shock the teachers because I used to tell kids that I didn't plan it out. I waited to see how we got from the beginning to the picture I'd got of the middle of the book or somewhere into the book anyway. They were always very shocked because they always insisted on all their kids planning it out in advance. And I did sort of plead with them that that was not always necessary. In fact, some people are better for making it up as it goes along. Um, and that... I was interested to know if that felt like that was at work here where this is maybe a series that she like, I'm going to write this book. And then, hey, what if I wrote another book there? I think, yeah, she's just, I guess it feels maybe like she's trying not to write herself into a corner. Like she's not explaining any more than she has to to make this particular story work because she doesn't want to have to pay attention to a bunch of that stuff if she continues. Like, I, I don't know if she wrote this with the intent to keep doing it i couldn't find that yeah yeah but it i mean it does feel like it feels like that is the intent and you know if this is coming out in the in the 70s then you already have templates for that with uh the with anything by tolkien Tolkien. narnia like all that all that sort of serialized kids fiction Hmm. okay yeah well let's take a quick break and then i want to know more about charmed life and young wizards all right Andrew, we got a sponsor this week. Did you hear? 
I did hear. I read the same website that you did. <laughs> Tells that us. tracks all of our sponsors. Yeah, well, good. And our obligations to them. So you don't need this information, <laughs> but maybe our listeners do. I'd like to tell them about uh, one of our sponsors this week, BetterHelp, which makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with them in a safe, private online environment in under 24 hours and you can send them a message at any time and you can schedule your weekly visits and stuff like that Uh, the service is available for clients worldwide and licensed professional counselors have a broad range of expertise Uh, as a listener you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor betterhelp.com slash overdue join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health again that's betterhelp h-e-l-p dot com slash overdue Craig, we got another sponsor, Whoa. which I uh, did you know? I, did you check the website? I did, I did. Okay. Oh man, all right. Well, we're both on the ball here. I'm good. I'm glad. Uh so here at Overdue, our main thing is books, but maybe you're not in the mood for reading or you just want to see some moving pictures instead of some static words. Good news, documentaries are like books for your eyes. Good. Good news. <laughs> and that's why I want to tell you about curiosity stream you can unlock access to thousands of streamable documentaries and nonfiction tv shows on history nature science food technology travel and more uh tune into award-winning exclusives and originals featuring served david attenborough stephen hawking nick offerman and chris hadfield some quite quite a range of voices yes and that list uh curiosity stream works on just about any device anywhere anytime and they also have a feature called On Now that will show you a continuous stream of documentaries if you don't know what to watch. Or you can select from a, among 35 curated documentary collections. Andrew. Just browsing their collection. Yes. What did, you, know, what did you find? I saw one called The Secret World of Lego, which sounds fun. Uh-huh. I saw one called Cat Nation, which mm-hmm. is about Japanese cat culture. And I saw one called Can a Computer Write a Hit Musical? And <laughs> I guess that one I kind of just want to know the the up or down, yeah, <laughs> like yes or no. <laughs> I was I was I went right to the animal documentary page and I found Song of the Sperm Whale and The Secret Lives of Big Cats, uh, mm-hmm. Owls, Masters of the Night, uh, <laughs> and Sloth Bear's Birth of a Prince. Um, wow! So I have my viewing cut out for me. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds that that all sounds right up your alley. Well, if this sounds good to you, you can go to curiositystream.com. That's all one word, curiositystream.com slash overdue and get an entire year of streaming for just $14.99 when you sign up using the offer code overdue. So curiositystream.com slash overdue uh, f- year of streaming for 15 bucks when you sign up using the offer code overdue. something else to get me through this semi I'm kind of life <laughs> baby baby I want to when you, you want to talk about the book I'm just going to keep singing I was just going to let you go <laughs> you got to tell me about the book I don't have the range uh, so semi charm kind of life by Diana Wynn Jones is it's about it's in the Crestomancy series, but we don't really start with Crestomancy. We start with these two kids, Gwendolyn and Kat. Cat uh, is a nickname. His real name's Eric, but it's this young brother and sister. And the book begins with 
them being involved in like a, a boating accident where a lot of people, including their parents, die. Mm. Um, and so they are orphans and they are taken in by the, you know, the town. The town is very sorry for what's happened and so is making, you know, taking great pains to provide for them. Um, and they are being brought up in like, I don't know, kind of seedy circumstances. Like they are being taken care of, but this it's not always the highest quality of person who they're being taken care of by. Um, but uh, the the deal is that Gwen is magical. She's kind of a, she's a witch. And is this and like that is normal, or is this like par for the? It's normal. Okay. This this kind of stuff exists in this in this world. Okay. Okay. Um, though also also like. Thing, things like MPs and normal, like uh, British. What's stuff? the word I'm looking for? Yeah, normal like British government stuff also exists. Cool. Okay, it's weird to read about a like a wizard regulator <laughs> talking about how people are going to go complain to their MPs about like his regulation of the wizarding world, but it's going to be fine. So, in this is not a world in which magic is like a secret thing. That only magic people know about. It's not a secret. It's pretty common. Okay. Um, the there are a lot of different delineations which we can go into a bit. The book doesn't get super specific about them, but there are definitely people who are better versed at it than others. There are there are people who practice like more vulgar forms of it, or or like just tinker around the edges without really having mastery of anything. It's it. She's not setting up some huge system of, of rules like we, we yeah. like we talked about. So Gwendolyn is very ambitious and is kind of a little monster. Can you remind me? Did you say what their ages were? Is that, is that explicit in the book? It's not explicit. No, okay. they, they are. I, I would say they're like tweeny. Okay. Sure. In that range somewhere. <laughs> totally. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, like in the ten to twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Age yeah. group. Yeah, Gwendolyn's got a lot of ambitions, and she thinks a lot of herself. She thinks, you know, she's had a couple teachers praise her, and so like any millennial, she has decided that she is the best in the whole world <laughs> at doing magic, uh-huh. and she is going to rule the world someday. And she sets about trying to figure out how to do this. She finds, like, she and Cat find. Among their parents' effects, some letters from this guy, Crestomancy. That's and his you know, name. Just, That's not a type of magic. That's it's a not a type of magic. It's a man's it's, name. Well, it's not, it's not even a man's name. It's the title of an office. Okay. Okay. But the, he is colloquially known as Crestomancy. So this is a real Doctor Who situation we have going on. I like, guess. I'm not familiar with well, that. Well, just the doctor is the doctor. Doctor Who? Sure. Crestomancy is Crestomancy. Sure. Okay. Um, but they f- they find among their their deceased parents' effects some letters. It's just one side of this of this conversation between their dad and Crestomancy, and one of the sort of seedy magicians in the neighborhood who is helping Gwen learn magic is very interested in these letters and offers to like teach her magic in exchange for them. Oh. Uh, one day Crestomancy like comes into town. I don't remember if like Gwen writes him to to get him to do this or, or what the circumstances for his his visit are, but he's in town and she because she's very ambitious and she feels like she is kind of outstripping the talent of the people she has available to teach her. She wants this powerful guy who knew her parents to come and like take take 
her and and you know if cat comes to fine but she doesn't <laughs> oh, cool okay her, her relationship with him like she he is very very dependent on her partly because you know because of her mad like her magic is the one reason why he survived the 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 boat thing the boat accident okay. or so he believes oh um, or so he believes yeah or so he believes and so he is he is very subservient to her and and like forgiving of her and and willing to rationalize away what is clearly like just selfish and kind of awful actions on on her part yeah that's Um, that's i read any of the reviews i read of this book definitely mentioned that she is terrible to him she sucks she is terrible and terrible to him specifically He's trying to find a thing to do because she has magic and he's trying to find like a talent. And so he starts playing the violin and he doesn't, you know, he has no context for knowing whether he's good at the violin or not, but he isn't. And Gwen <laughs> gets really mad and she turns his violin into a cat no! to get him to stop playing the violin. That sucks. Yeah. <sighs> so that's one of the many things that, that Gwendolyn does to a cat that are just pretty mean. Yeah. Um, but Crestomancy comes, he adopts them both, he brings them to his big old castle. Um, there are cars that exist in this world. Heck it's, yeah. I don't really have any like follow-ups or anything to talk about, except that cars exist in this world, but they're only for rich people. Okay. <laughs> it's not super technologically advanced in the traditional sense, partly because magic is a thing. Okay, sure. What? And we don't quite get to- Are there TVs? Like, JK Rowling, Wizards- poop in their pants and then magic the poop away <laughs> sort of levels of of technophobia but okay sure <laughs> yeah. are there tvs but there aren't like airplanes and stuff oh there aren't airplanes there are not no. airplanes there are not airplanes okay i'm trying to figure out when the like possible time period is is there anything this might be a derailing part of the conversation andrew so just buckle up is there anything in this book that points towards a multiverse Yes. Okay. Did when do you find that out in the course of the narrative? Because I don't want to spoil anything. Like halfway ish. Okay. I'll let you unveil that if and when we get there as it's part. Yeah, like you you discover it and then it becomes more integral to the fabric of the book. Okay. 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 So I'll at let... the end when we do get our bit of an info dump about <laughs> the mysterious Crestomancy and what his whole deal is. Okay. Um. So Gwen is really like Crestomancy doesn't want to just teach her everything right out of the gate and she's being a huge brat about it and she does this like escalating series of magical pranks that crestomancy tries to ignore like she digs up the grounds she casts a spell on the windows where like twice every half hour the whole castle just like goes dark she casts a spell on the trees that makes them just like crowd up on the house (laughs) or the castle and just surround it okay and then she tries to ruin a dinner party by like making a bunch of like bugs and animals big and like summoning like skeletons and spirits of people of dead people and stuff. This feels very like be- like the movie Beetlejuice to me. Like a lot of I guess it's a little like the movie Beetlejuice except if Lydia was a real jerk and you didn't <laughs> like her even a little bit. <laughs> yes. I meant more that this type of magical prank reminded me of the the dinner of party the scene Beetlejuice. of of Beetlejuice, yes, um, a lot of magic to make people upset and to agitate them. 
My um, experience with Beetlejuice was with the cartoon before I saw the movie. Oh. And when I saw the movie, I was like, why is Beetlejuice being such a jerk? Like, yeah, he's the, cartoon, the good guy he's in the cartoon. An okay, guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird how they did that. A lot yeah. of those movies got cartoons. The Mask got a cartoon. Ooh, somebody stop me. Oh, please. This smoking. podcast is smoking. <laughs> smoking. <laughs> so, is this. Um, I don't know if I've asked you, is this book about Gwendolyn? Is this about her or is this about Cat? It's about Cat, okay. mostly. But you experience a lot of Gwen through Cat. Okay. So, so she's doing all of this horrible magical stuff and the episode with the big bugs and the spirits and stuff finally prompts Crestomancy, who you really don't have a read on except like Cat kind of doesn't trust him for some reason. Um. Like he and and this other like guy who's been teaching them like come in to put a stop to it, and they give her a spanking and they take her magic away mm. as punishment for her doing all the stuff. Because he was trying for a while, he was trying to do the if I ignore it, she'll get bored and, and stop tactic. Classic, but classic. That, but because like Gwendolyn being Gwendolyn, that just made her dead set on doing more and more and more until he couldn't. Until that was like untenable. Okay, I imagine she does not react well to having her magic taken away, though. She doesn't react well to it, and when and so Cat goes to bed, and then he wakes up the next morning feeling as though she has definitely done something else, mm. and he doesn't know what. So he goes to her room, and wakes her up, and it ends up being a sort of a slightly different version of her named Janet. <laughs> is not Gwendolyn anymore. It's not it's the Janet name I now. would have expected, but okay. And Janet is, she looks a lot like Gwendolyn, so if you didn't know her really well, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But it turns out, and because like Janet knows a lot of the stuff that Gwendolyn would know about like where she would hide stuff, like they don't share memories or anything, they never actually met, but they are two different versions of the same person from different parallel universes. And Sick. so they do have similar instincts. Okay. So she finds a letter from Gwendolyn that says, Hey, I can't do this. I'm going to peace out to a different universe where people will teach me more magic. And, you know, because you can't go into another universe without pulling your doppelganger through it. You know, Janet's here now. Whoa. Okay, okay. Does I is Janet cool with this? Janet is is like a she's not magical, but she is like a cool, chill version of of <laughs> Gwendolyn. Sick. Okay. And she it it comes to light that she had a she had a, she would have had a little brother, but he died in childbirth, and so there is no there is no you find out there's no cat in his, in her in her timeline, which which becomes particularly important later on. Okay. Um, so the next, you know, tranche of the book is Cat trying not to let on to anybody else in the rest of the house that Janet is not Gwendolyn. Because, again, he doesn't really know what Crestomancy's deal is. Like, Crestomancy has a couple of uh, kids. They're not really his kids. They're they're actually more like Cat and Gwendolyn's, like, cousins who also live with Crestomancy. <laughs> What but, is he uh, doing? What is his deal? It's it's a complicated family thing. Okay, and we can talk. We can talk about the one really weird family thing. Can't at wait. The end. Okay. Um. Actually, no. We can talk about it now. Let's do it. Um. Gwendolyn and Cat's 
mother and father were first cousins. Okay. Who married each other. And apparently, if you marry your cousin, your kids are more likely to have magical powers. <laughs> and I'm not 100% sure what to make of that revelation. Huh. Just some, you know, the... I don't even want to say it out loud about what it says about the blood of this mm-hmm. family and the mm-hmm. magic involved. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess sometimes from some of the like the pure blood obsessed Harry Potter families, you do definitely get yeah. like you you guys have definitely been marrying each other for, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> for quite some time now. Um but so Janet comes from a version of of the world that from the snippets of it that you get through her sounds pretty much like ours like it has planes it doesn't have magic it has the country of america rather than the country of atlantis <laughs> oh neat okay um and so through through uh cat trying kind of kind of explaining to janet what's going on you do get a glimpse into sort of the delineation between different magic users and i i don't know if this would map to like the class system in in the UK, which I don't really know enough about, mm. but you know, do, do with this information what you will, I guess. Um, I mean, Gwendolyn really was a witch. Janet exclaimed. Cat wished she had not says, said was. He had a growing suspicion he would never see the real Gwendolyn again. Of course she is, he said. Aren't you? Great heavens, no, said Janet. Though I'm beginning to wonder if I mightn't have been if I'd lived here all my life. Witches are quite common, are they? And warlocks and necromancers, said Cat, but wizards and magicians don't happen so often. I think Mr. Saunders is a magician. That's their teacher. Uh, medicine men, witch doctors, shamans, devils, enchanters, Janet asked rapidly. Hags, fakirs, sorcerers, are they thick on the ground too? Most of those are for savages, Cat explained. Hag is rude, but we have sorcerers and enchanters. Enchanters are very strong and important. I've never met one. Okay. <laughs> I like, I like, well... Hag is offensive. That, you did <laughs> accidentally stumble on a slur for magic users. Oh man! In that one. So I also okay. So what, when you were talking about the class thing, there is an element of like, oh, would I have been? Would I have gotten to be this if I had bo- been born somewhere else? Is that kind of what you're alluding to? Because that's an interesting. I guess I'm just alluding to like there. There are a bunch of very fine distinctions between all these people that I don't understand. Oh, also, I don't that. live okay. in. I don't live in England, but <laughs> sure. Which is how I feel about how the class system is <laughs> fair. I was I was hearing more the like when Janet said the like, oh maybe if I had been born into this world, I could have gone and done those things, or I would be. That type I mean, of I think I think that's more of just like a, if I had been born, obviously the version of me in this universe is a magic user. Maybe if I'd been the version of me in this universe, yeah. I would be a magic user. Yeah. That's that's all that means. I, no, I think that can map to a class reading, too, like in terms of what opportunities are available to you. I don't know that that's what Jones is up to, but I think that's a, I don't a think way it, to read I don't, it. Really, like she does, literally come from a world that has no magic in it. I think it, I really think it's about the world she was born into and not her like place in it fair enough um because i mean and and her f- parents didn't die in that universe either so like there, there are when they talk about the universe systems they do they talk about them like you can group them together by what like a major events 
did happen and then which ones were like the the ones where the universe is like split off so it could be like you know who won this major battle or what happened as a result of this earthquake or that kind of stuff i did i did read that i read um about that most of the books take place in world 12a it's called apparently i'm that not, does sh- not come up in this, <laughs> in this sure which in book this uses book. that nomenclature um and that and maybe it's revealed later on, but something about how many or whether or not you have doubles is is apparently important. Yes, it okay. is important. Okay. Um, so what happens with this? We got to pretend that Janet is Gwendolyn. So Cat, Cat's trying to hide Janet and things get more and more escalated and farcical until we get to we get to a point where they owe a shady guy in town money because Gwendolyn bought black market dragon blood from him paid him with earrings that scream who they belong to so he can't fence them like he was going to Mm. and so they owe him money because they're pretending that janet is gwendolyn um one of the maids in the castle accidentally gets turned into a frog they don't know It, it was it was a trick of gwendolyn's before she left but Cat has to pretend that he did it because, you know, I don't know what magic is. I don't know what I'm doing. And so she is really upset. And then her boyfriend gets really upset and like challenges him to a fight, basically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so he's got that bearing down on them. And then there are some like people, some shady people from the the town they were from who are trying to get them to do something that clearly they shouldn't be doing in like a forbidden magical garden that Crestomancy has told them that they can't go Love into. it, love it, love it. Um, so yeah, it's it's just this escalating thing and they try to, they try to like run away from home and they are not successful in that. Um, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think how I want to bridge this part of it. It sounds like you're like, what can you talk about without going to the very end where a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So they, the plot lines sort of converge at the end where they, you know, the, the shady guy who's asking them to go to the magic garden and do nefarious stuff is, has also said, Oh, I can spot you some money for the, for your dragon blood problem. And so they go up to the 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 garden, not to like they don't really trust him, um, but they are trying to kind of escape their circumstances because they really feel hemmed in by all this stuff. And they accidentally cause this big event where a bunch of bad magic users like come through this like archway in this garden, um, and they ra- they call Crestomancy there because when you when you say Crestomancy he appears like Beetlejuice. So they call him they call like Beetlejuice. So they call him there and they tie him up to a tree with silver because silver is his kryptonite and he can't do magic if he has silver. And they make it clear that like Crestomancy has been cramping their style and they want to go they they want to conquer this world and then they want to go to all the other worlds. And conquer it too. Okay, legitly the like one the, style. Yes. Okay, I'm familiar. The, the the ringleader of all of this was the guy who was like Gwendolyn's original teacher, and she does come back here at the the end to kind of see everything happen. Mm. And here she because she is clearly become so bad to Cat that he stops trying to defend her because 
they are like, we gotta, we gotta kill this kid and spill his blood so that we can like open this portal to all the worlds and, and whatever. And she is like, well, he has nine lives, so you are going to have to kill him a bunch of times. Oh gosh. Instead of like speaking up in his defense. So the deal with the lives is that <laughs> Cat has nine lives, of which I get he it. retains I, uh, by the I end of the it. book. Yeah, that that's why they call him Cat because Gwen always said that he had nine lives because he survived like die he he survived like birth complications, he survived the boat thing, like she's she has said that about okay, him. Okay, cool. And it turns out that literally he does have nine lives. The reason he has nine lives is because he has no counterparts in any of the other universes. So, and and that is really really rare. But if if you are if you are the only version of you that exists in any universe, like you you have all those extra lives, you have all those one ups, <laughs> sure. And you also have all these skills that all nine versions of you would have had if they existed. I made a flippant Jet Li the One reference earlier that you ignored. And this is definitely how that movie works, where Jet Li travels between worlds, killing other versions of himself and absorbing their power. Maybe the one works like... Yeah, that's... Charmed Life by Diana Wynne-Jones. That's more accurate. Correct. Yeah. Maybe it was an adaptation and they just didn't cite it. And it it comes to light that that Gwen is only magical because she's been using Cat's magic. Like he is actually a very uh, powerful sorcerer in his in his own right, and his power like flows through his left hand. There's been this whole thing through the book where he is left-handed and is kind of punished for it because I mean you know left-handedness is of the devil. Yeah, it's a it's a burden I live with every day, um, mm-hmm. and I've uh, maybe now I will I will stop trying to cure myself of it maybe i'll use but maybe this book will be the inspiration for me to finally he, he <laughs> to finally deal with your problem <laughs> um like he and crestomancy are, are left alone and crestomancy's like hey your your magic take your left hand and like saw at the ropes that are binding you but pretend that the ropes are silver and you can like cut through my bonds from where you are huh and then he grabs a couple of like he takes a hand silver handcuffs off of Crestomancy and in his left hand he's like, Hey, you're an eagle. Go get that that ringleader guy. And so then and then the handcuff turns into an eagle and it goes and like pecks that guy's head. Um and then yeah, and then like the whole the whole weird, like hey Arnold esque family of weirdo sorcerers <laughs> that lives in this house with Crestomancy. There are a lot of different examples, but my favorite one is a guy who won't stop talking about like stocks and bonds. And it turns out that he is a financial wizard. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, a bunch of cool weirdos comes and they, they put paid to all these bad guys. And then it becomes clear that Crestomancy has been a good guy all along. It's his job to protect all the worlds from like these these bad magic users so to contain like magic use to be within the worlds that actually like allow it and also as a crestomancy like you have to have the nine life thing like only the only people who can be crestomancies are people like cat okay who have nine lives and you are also responsible for finding your successor your next crestomancy yeah Neat. Okay, so that's why he's is, like yeah. casting about for all of these. That's that's why he's actually brought 
Cat there, and and like Gwen came with him, and he didn't really like Cat had it had been under the radar for a long time because Gwen was using his magic. Like normally, like you see signs of magic use, and then you also see clear signs that somebody should have died but didn't, and that's how you figure out mm. you know who has a nine who has nine lives. Like by the time we learn that Cat has nine lives, he is on like the fourth or fifth. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, because he should have died when he was a baby. He should have died in the boat accident. And he should have died when Gwen, I think, started using his magic, I think is when it hmm. would have happened. Um Okay. And yeah, that's that's kind of the end of the book. Is just like Gwen is almost like so when Gwen had come back to like observe things and, and gloat, like she put Janet back in the world that she belonged in. And when she flees the scene, like they, they almost like apprehend her, but she flees the scene and go and pops back into another universe and Janet comes back and we find out that it's okay that Janet's in this new universe where, you know, with her away from her parents and everybody who she loves, because it turns out that this, like all the Gwendolyn, Janet, like all the, all the different people who this person is, they kind of all are one universe off from each other. So like there's one who is a ruler who doesn't want to be, who keeps trying to run away that like the, the person who replaced Janet was smart enough that Janet's parents didn't know the difference. Oh, like they all just um, rotated one seat over. Yeah. And like, she was an orphan <laughs> and she really wanted parents. And, okay. Like, and so it all worked out. Like huh. we, we are made to feel really good that we do get a good version of Gwendolyn to root for. And also, it doesn't put anybody else out because they all got what they secretly wanted all. How do you feel about the Gwendolyn thing? So like a lot of the the reviews, like the Goodreads reviews that I was looking at, um, both, and this was a positive and I guess a negative for some folks of just like Gwendolyn just being a bad person uh, kind of either was like a thing people liked about Jones as an unflinching children's author and other folks were like i don't like that she doesn't get redeemed in any real way and just gets replaced with a better person <laughs> i i i like it because i don't know redemption narratives are pretty common okay so just the novelty of it works for you yeah like sure. i i am happy for there just to be like sometimes in life there are bad people who are just bad people mm-hmm. and like her being a you know like a teen tween whatever she is Maybe it might complicate that a little, but I think Jones spares no, like she pulls no punches in making it clear that Gwen is bad. She wants to be bad. She doesn't want to be redeemed. Okay, sure. Um, She is horrible to her brother to the point of like wanting to kill him to get what she wants. Like it, it is pretty unambiguous the way that we, the reader, are supposed to feel about her. And I'm, I'm, fine with that just because it doesn't always it doesn't happen a lot like even even to take it back to harry potter like even like draco malfoy or whatever gets like his redeeming little bit sure there at the end where he is a little snot the entire series but he can't he doesn't really have it in himself to be truly evil that's not what's going on with gwen okay like she is she is doing really bad stuff sure that makes sense to me and she's exploiting other people to do it the whole time. So, yeah. How did you feel about Cat overall? So, I want to toss two things at you. One is that some 
readers didn't enjoy how passive Cat was. But then I found that interview with Jones from 2008 where she was, A, she talked openly about like her experience with dyslexia and a lot of characters in her stories having um, just different abilities. Um, and for her, that was a way to kind of like process the fact that people just, you know, operate differently. And she has said that uh, she feels that Kat has a mild form of autism. Um, the quote she gave is, he's not going to tell anyone anything properly. It's sort of a social activity that's beyond him. I did some digging to see if folks had written about this. I mostly found like forum and blog posts where people were excited to see a character with autism in a fantasy novel. And then there were people who were like, yeah, but that doesn't really rep represent my experience. So I don't know if I support that reading of that character. Um, just like, how did you feel about Kat as someone who like clearly gets taken advantage of by his sister and then like gets his identity drastically rewritten at the end of the book? I mean, I think it, the passivity and everything, like it, it makes sense for his, his character. I think that you, you can certainly um, read him as, as being a bit on the spectrum. Sure. Um, though, even, even if you're not doing that, I think you can, you can see why somebody who was kind of playing second fiddle to his sister and not really called up, like nothing is really expected of him. He's not really called upon to do anything mm. and so of course like he's he is going to be a little passive of course he's going to like shy away from attention which he has never had before because he's always been overshadowed by his sister like I, I i thought it i could see being frustrated by it i guess if you are wanting like a like a lucy or an edmund like somebody who oh, is sure more fully defined yeah yeah i guess but um but I, I thought it worked in this in this context. And it also seems to be the other side of the coin where I've read. Okay, so I have two, uh, three star good. You hit me with the song, Andrew. Three star good reviews. Thank you. Um, Pam said uh, this was like. I think this is a byproduct, or not even a byproduct. It's part of the passivity that it sounds like Cat has for a decent chunk of the book. Um, Pam said, but the dependence of the plot on the willful failure by the adults to alert Cat to the danger he is in weakens the story for me. I like some of the set pieces. Love the baby dragon. Apparently it's a baby dragon. Like some of yeah, the... Yeah, okay, it's, sure. it's a very, very big player. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, like some of the interactions with other characters, but the basic meat of the story doesn't really work. Uh, so I can only rate it three stars. And then Beatrix agrees and just says, this is some Dumbledore BS right here. So <laughs> I believe that's a reference to like the lack of communication between Crestomancy and Cat. Yeah, Dumbledore does have a way of like letting Harry stumble into mortal danger and then explaining to him everything he would have needed to know <laughs> after the fact. Um Yeah, I don't know. That that I I can agree with both of those reads. I, I don't I can't say how I would have responded to this if I was reading it at the same age that I was mm. reading like the Narnia stuff, if it would have bothered me or if I would have like moved on and, and devoured more of these and maybe gotten a better sense of, of the characters. Sure. Um, and I don't know. I don't, I don't think, know how much. Of I don't them, think, I don't like, think either of those assessments either, yeah. are wrong, but I also don't like, it didn't make me like the book less. Sure. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah, that seems fine. And other reviews are like, hey, I read, I like reading this book to my kids. And yeah, there's some Dumbledore nonsense happening, but also I like the world and it's funny. And it sounds like you found parts of it funny and enjoyable too. Yeah, they're, they're just little uh, flourishes and like things that Jones does with words that I think are clever and fun. Um, but Miss Larkins advanced on him and seized him by his shoulders. Cat squirmed. Miss Larkins used a scent that shrieked violets at him. <laughs> Her earrings swung like manacles, and her corsets creaked when she was close to. I like a perfume that shrieks violence. That's good. At you. That's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for telling me about your uh, your charmed life, Andrew. Baby, baby, I want something else. Yeah, let's get out of here. Cool. I'm so tired. Yeah. It's been such a long week. It has been a long week. Thanks. To everyone uh, who has been listening to our show, who has been sending us emails at overduepod at gmail.com, who was sending us uh, responses to our November schedule on Facebook at overduepod or to our uh, sharing their like voting selfies uh, to us at twitter.com slash overduepod. Thanks to folks like... Joe, Grace, Jane, Jennifer, Rachel, Maya, Emily, Maddie, Carrie, Charlotte, Chuck, Jeffrey, Jen, William, Greg, Nora, and many more. We appreciate you. Thank you for appreciating us. Thanks to Nick Larangis for composing our theme song. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our internet website. Up there, we have links to the books that we have read and are going to read. You can use those links to buy the books, give us a cut, and give a cut to your local independent bookseller through, uh, through bookshop.org. Uh, we also have Apple Podcasts, Google, RSS links. We are also on Stitcher and Spotify. Leave us a review in Apple Podcasts if you want. We don't mind it. Nope. Um, what else? Patreon.com slash pod. Get bonus episodes. We're a little bit behind on Genie Babies right now because, as I said before, it has been a week, It's a been like a... It's it been, been four a, years. <laughs> it's been a... Yeah, roughly four years, I guess I would say it's been. Yeah. Um... Our the rest of our November schedule, it's not up we, on I the website, we must have but it talked about last week. But yeah, it's not on the website. So next week, you read Top Dog slash Underdog yep. by Susan, Susan, Suzanne, Lori Parks. Yeah, it's a play. Susan, Lori Parks. Uh, the Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro is me the week after that. And then the week after that, you read The Graduate by Charles Webb. Can't and wait to learn about this. gonna be, yeah. yeah, our bonus episode is gonna be more genie babies. Yep. Where we read Thousand One Nights. Several nights at a time. About it. Yeah, several nights at a time. Get us out of here, Andrew. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope that you have been well. We hope that you've been taking care of yourself, especially in the last week, but especially for that four-year period that we referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be back next week. Until then, everyone, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.